0: Father, as we uh, come to your word, uh, we want to keep that heart of worship. Thank you, God, for uh, giving us people who are gifted and talented and can lead us in, in, uh, Lord, music that brings our hearts towards you. And we want to keep that attitude of of loving you and worshiping you as we get into your word. And Lord, as we look at at Paul just kind of trying to get things nailed down for this group of people that he's writing to, that they would have a better understanding of, what is going on in their lives right now and what the future holds. And I pray for us, God, that we would be people who we, we glean from what's been written. And God, it would, it would go deep within our hearts and we would know from what we read that our God is working his plan, he has a plan. And God, you've not forgotten us nor have you forgotten your plan. So we do want ears to hear Lord, we want to be people who are, are ready to be taught, ready to be changed, ready to draw near to you. And God, I pray that you would have your hand upon this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, last, uh, last Sunday, we were last weekend, we were going to go through this whole section, and we only got through part of it, so we're going to finish it today, and we're going to back up and go over some stuff, a little bit that we've already gone over to kind of keep the context. Important thing, keep in mind, Paul's writing to the church there, and again, giving them what is going to happen in the end giving them what we call end times eschatology and, and giving that to them. Why was he focusing on that? Because in chapter one, we find out they're going through persecution and they're going through some intense persecution. He addressed it in 1 Thessalonians, but it seems by the time he wrote 2 Thessalonians, it had really ramped up and become more intense. And then on top of that, some people have come in and told them they're actually going through the tribulation. And they had missed the rapture, missed certain things. And so Paul's straightening all that out. But here's the thing. He's not writing this, nor should we always look at eschatology or end times, just so we have a great timeline. It's good to know. It's good to know what you believe, why you believe. But the most important thing is Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back to set up his kingdom. That's what the Bible says. That's the important thing. The timeline, you can have a different opinion. You can have different views. Shouldn't be something we separate over. But I also believe it's something we should be convinced of. In our own hearts of what we believe, I know what I believe, and I'll discuss it with anybody. And chances are, you're not going to change me, but also have a discussion with you and talk to you. But Paul, writing this last time, we looked at the whole idea of the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to make a treaty with Israel. That's going to be the beginning of the tribulation. He'll make a treaty with Israel in the middle of that time period. He will break the treaty again, according to Daniel chapter nine that we talked about. He'll break that treaty and. According 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 to Revelation, then it gets really bad. So three and a half years is bad. The second three and a half years, super bad. And that's the seven year period. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, but Paul's letting them know none of that can happen until the Antichrist is revealed. That's what he told them, and so that's an important thing. I've had people come to me with the recent pandemic asking me, do I really think we're in the end times? No, oh, well, I gotta rephrase that. I think we're in the end times, but not the end end times. We're definitely not in the tribulation. Some people ask me that and I go, oh, come on. You know, read the book of Revelation and find out it, it is intense. What would, this is a walk in a park compared to what's gonna happen even in the first half. So listen, we're not in it. And another reason I know The Antichrist has not been revealed. So I know we're not there and I know we're not doing it. Now, one more thing. Well, read chapter, read, read, read chapter, chapter two, verse five. Listen to what Paul says. Do you not remember when I was still with you that I told you these things? So here's the thing in the midst of this writing, Paul had told them certain things we're not privy to, we don't know what he told them. Now, listen, I I think we could speculate and, and go through that, but here's the thing. They knew some stuff we don't know, and that's okay. Listen, God gives us what we need to know. What he told them, for them, that was for them. That was for their time period. If we would have needed that information, it would have got recorded for us. So we need to understand that. So, you know, some people say, is part of our Bible missing? No, absolutely not. So listen, he said, But we talked about these things, and I brought it up before. It blows my mind that Paul would have had discussions with these guys in the three or four weeks he was there about eschatology. Usually in discipling people and they're just starting a walk with the Lord, you usually don't just jump into end times right away. That usually freaks people out a little bit, right, if you jump in. I remember uh, years ago somebody had come to the school of ministry and their first semester, their first part of it was eschatology, and it got saved like two weeks before that. And they came in and we started talking about end times. They Both of them dropped out of school of ministry. Luckily, they didn't drop out of the Lord, but they dropped out. It was hard. It's hard to understand. But yet, Paul did that with them. And again, why did he do that? I think because of the persecution they're going through. So he says, listen, we talked about things, and then look at the beginning of verse six. And now you know. Here's the thing. Because of what Paul said in verse five to them, now they know something that, again, Maybe we can't understand what they're knowing, but we can understand what he's talking about. And here's what he says. Listen, he says, and now you know what is restraining that he might be revealed in his own time. So here's what he's saying. We're gonna get into verse seven in a minute. Something is restraining. What is is something restraining? The revelation of the Antichrist, who he is right? He says he's going to be revealed. What does he say? That he's going to be revealed in his own time. Do you know that God has a timetable? Have you ever noticed his timetable is usually not in sync with your timetable? But God has a timetable. In Galatians, it says, at just the right time, when the fullness of time came, that the Son was born, Jesus wasn't, listen, when Jesus came on the scene, it wasn't a random act. It wasn't, oh, this seems like a good time. The Bible says it was the perfect time in the fullness of time that happened. He died on the cross, he raised from the the grave and and raised on the third day. Then it's telling me here at just the right time, the Antichrist is gonna come on the scene right when God wants him to. And then as we're gonna read again in a minute, at just the right time, Jesus is gonna show up and set up his kingdom. God has a plan, God has a timetable. I really wish he'd share the calendar. It would make life a lot easier, right? He could just like give it to us, you know? Like you guys share calendars with some people on, right? we all got smartphones, we all got our calendars, we share calendars. It'd be good if God like got on our smartphones and, and put things out. But at just the right time, listen, so here's what he's saying. You guys know the Thessalonians know, and I think we can know this, what is restraining that he, he, the Antichrist, might be revealed in his own time. Verse seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, interesting stuff goes on here. We talked about it, touched on it last week. In verse six, It's a neuter pronoun, right? You know what restrains, right? Not him, what, or not, he says, you know what is restraining him. And then in verse seven, it comes a masculine pronoun. He is restraining, he will be moved. So I think that's important, and I think that can help us understand what he's talking about. What could be neuter, what could be an it, but at the same time be a him, it's kind of complicated, right? Now, we, we talked last time, that applies sometimes to the Holy Spirit, only it really bothers me, and, and if you do this, I'm sorry if I'm picking on you, but the Holy Spirit's not it. The Holy Spirit is him. The Holy Spirit's God. It always bothers me when people will go, well, the Holy Spirit, it did this, and I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. You know, there's a couple things that just really bug me as a, as a pastor, and I go, no, he did that. And then I'll I'll let you guys, since you guys came to the last service, I'll give you something else. If you're talking to me, never talk about the book of Revelation and call it the book of Revelations. It's not plural. It's singular. I watch movies sometimes and they go, in the book of Revelations, and I throw my Bible at the TV. It's like, no, it's the book of Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sorry, back, now come back. So that's just some thing. But why would the Holy Spirit himself in verse six say it and then in verse seven say he? Because I think he's talking about a specific part of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what's important. You see, there's a work of the Spirit right now right now, that is restraining and holding back the lawless, this, this man, lawless one, the, the man of sin, the son of perdition, this one we're talking about. There's some work that the Holy Spirit's doing that's holding him back. Now listen, it's not holding back evil. He says lawlessness is already at work, right? There's evil, and there's evil in our world, right? Now here's the thing. What does he talk about? Some people say it's the Jews. I don't think it's the Jews, Some people say it's the government. We know it's not the government, right? That's not a question. What is he talking about? I think he can only be talking about one thing, the church. And I believe, listen, people go, no, the church cannot hold back evil or restrain because, hey, this person's supernatural. The church can't hold it back. Not the church itself, but the work of the Holy Spirit through the church as he works through the church, and that's when it's an it, it is restraining. And I said last time, listen carefully. If you're a Bible student at all, and you've read enough, here's what you know. The Antichrist will become a world ruler. He will be someone who makes a treaty with Israel and brings complete peace peace to the middle east he will be one who works a deal to get the third temple built and he will sit you know in jerusalem so here's what we know we know those things what would happen if somebody came along and made a perfect peace treaty in the middle east and what would happen right after that if the temple started getting built what would the church do you guys don't know I would be screaming. That's the antichrist, right? Wouldn't the church be like like coming undone? Most of the church, not not many here, but most of the church. Most of the church would be saying, "That's the antichrist." The church is restraining that not because of power, but because of what we've been, what we know. We know these things are going to happen, and I believe. Listen, I believe that's the thing. That's what always kind of cracks me up with, uh, you know, the hardcore post-tribber. And if you're a post-tribber today, don't get mad at me. Just, you have to forgive me. That's what the Bible says. But listen, man, if you're a post-tribber, right when he sets that up, you're gonna be screaming that that's the Antichrist. The world is gonna know how the church believes and what the church thinks about that. And listen, I think it would even cause more chaos than what's already going to be happening. So, I believe what he's talking about is the church is going to be taken out of the way. What restrains him? The Holy Spirit working through the church. Now, the Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of the world. We talked about that. He can't be taken out of the world because how do people get saved? By the Holy Spirit. And I've read Revelation, and I know some people don't like this, and I always fascinates me why. Do you know that millions upon millions of people are going to get saved during the tribulation? There's going to be a revival. I I like what one person said. There's going to be such a great revival during the tribulation that all of the saints today couldn't even be the ushers and greeters to get all those people seated. We're going to see a phenomenal outpouring of God's work during that time. Now, I don't think they're going to make it to the end. I've read the book. I don't think they're all going to make it to the end. But that's what's going to happen. So here's what he's saying. You know, you guys know what, what is restraining him. And you know that the work of lawlessness, right, verse verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, here's an interesting thing. As we read this, even in verses 3 and 4, and then now 5, 6, and 7, then 9, 10, and 11, then 12, here's the thing. Paul doesn't give us a chronological Discussion about the end times. Here's what he does. He talks about something at the beginning and then sometimes he goes all the way to the end. And then he comes back and talks about something in the beginning and then he goes halfway. So listen, don't build your timeline verse by verse. You can build your timeline out of everything that you gather but you gotta be careful because here's what he's saying. He's gonna be revealed. Now look at verse eight. And when the lawless one who is revealed whom the Lord will consume with the, or, or then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Here's what he just did. He went from the beginning of the tribulation all the way to the end, just like that. He says he's gonna be revealed and then the Lord is gonna destroy him. He's not gonna destroy him instantaneously. Again, I've read and understand. But here's what we need to gather from this. Our God wins. And he wins every time. You know, that's what I love. That's what I love. You read your Bible, our God wins. And we need to know that. Never be listen, never be ashamed of that. Never be afraid to stand on that he is going to win. And Did you notice there's not like a great battle? It's funny, in the Bible it's called the Battle of Armageddon. It's not really a battle. Like Jesus doesn't like have to bring the entire army, although we all come back with him. But what does it say? It says he comes and what does he do? He consumes him with the breath of his mouth and destroys him with the brightness of his coming. It's like that. When Jesus shows up, it's over. Now, I want to get into that in a minute, but Before I do, we need to understand something. He's not eliminated, destroyed, as far as a person. His power and his reign is destroyed, but as far as a person, according to Revelation, well, you can read these according to this whole thing. Daniel chapter seven, I know last week I told you, most of you didn't read it. Daniel chapter seven, Daniel chapter 11, Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 19, all talk about when he comes to destroy his power, and in Daniel, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 19, it says, then he is thrown into the lake of fire. So he's not, listen, he as a person is not destroyed, but his power and his reign is what's talked about being destroyed. So having said that, what is actually going on in verse eight? Jesus is coming and setting up his kingdom. I believe, listen, I believe this has to happen According again, according to Revelation chapter 20, there's a thousand years that Jesus is going to reign on planet Earth. I believe that thousand years is a thousand years. And I believe it's here on this planet for a couple reasons. Number one, the Messiah, who's promised to come in the Old Testament, was promised to come and sit on the throne of David and rule the nation of Israel. Did Jesus do that at his first coming? No. Does God keep all of his promises and prophecies? Yes. That has to happen. That has to happen here on this planet, not not on some outer space place, not up in heaven. Here on this planet, he has to sit on the throne of David and rule Jerusalem. I believe when Jesus comes back with the breath of his mouth, with the brightness of his coming, And the Antichrist power is destroyed. At that point, Jesus sets up this thing we call the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ. He begins that reign. Now, the Bible does say when he comes back, that time he's coming as a judge. Remember, that's the end of the day of the Lord. The beginning of the day of the Lord is the beginning of when the church is raptured and then the judgment comes and then he comes and sets things up. And we get to come with him. As a church, we come in our glorified bodies. And here's the cool thing. We get to come with Jesus. We we'll have our glorified bodies. We can't sin. And we will, we will have this, these positions to help him rule and reign over this planet. I get excited about that. I think that's kind of cool. Not that I want the power. I've, I've claimed Bisbee, by the way. It's going to be my domain. And so and most people go, you can have it. Well, you know, it's things you don't know that I know about Bisbee is why I want it. So anyway, listen, we're going to rule and reign with him for a 1,000 years. When he comes and destroys the work of the Antichrist, then will come what many call the, the, the judgment, the sheep and the goats. Remember, he separates the sheep from the goats, and the goats go, and he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, and the sheep go into the millennial kingdom. Those who go into the millennial kingdom, and something we need to know, Jesus comes, he's a perfect ruler. Would you agree with that? Nod your heads, pretend you do. Perfect ruler, everybody who goes into that kingdom will be born again, will be saved. Every person that goes into that kingdom will be saved. As, as a human, we're gonna come, we're not, we're, listen, we're not necessarily part of that because we're, we're glorified now. And and so we're not, but regular humans, just like people like us now, are gonna go into there. And they're gonna procreate, they're gonna live, they're gonna have this perfect kingdom they're living in. And, oh, by the way, the Bible says Satan will be bound for a thousand years. There's no satanic influence in the world. There's no satanic influence. Jesus is the perfect reign, and everybody going in there will be a believer. At the end of the thousand years, the Bible says Satan will be released, and a multitude, a huge army will follow him to rebel against God. Does that kind of blow your mind? And today, a lot of people say, listen, the reason we do bad things is our environment or, you know, however we were raised, whatever's going on. We're talking about people who have everything going for them, and they turn against God. God. The issue is not our environment. The issue is not even our world leaders. The issue is the heart, the human heart. It's always been that. And so there will be those who rebel, then comes a final judgment, then a new heaven and a new earth. So that's kind of that's kind of a, a, a quickie on that. But I want us to understand, Jesus is coming back to set up his kingdom. Now, when he comes back, it's interesting the way he puts it here in Thessalonians. Look at verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. So now, did you notice we went to the end? Now we're going back to the beginning. Isn't it funny how he yo-yos that? And so the working of the the lawless one, the coming of the lawless one, will be according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Are you getting the idea? It's going to be ugly. This so when he comes, not only is it going to be ugly, but it's also going to be rather spectacular. The world is going to be duped into believing this guy is great and this is a savior. And it blows my mind. number one, it blows my mind, he kind of went back. But it blows my mind. Listen, it's the working of Satan. I believe every generation, there is an Antichrist, because Satan doesn't know the hour that Jesus is coming. Isn't know the hour or the day? Nobody knows. And I believe every generation has an antichrist sort of in the waiting. And you know, then people go, does he know who he is? I don't know. Can't interview him. But I believe there's one. I believe there's one right now. I believe there's one that could take over with the working of Satan. But notice when he comes, he's gonna come with what? This is kind of interesting, right? He's gonna come and he's gonna come with Uh, All power, signs, and lying wonders. Hey, there's gonna be miracles that take place that are gonna blow people's minds. And some say, how does that happen? I thought only God did miracles. No, there's sleight of hand, and even biblically, there's other miracles, right? Right, Do do you remember when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh? And they did the, right. What was the what was the what was the very first plague they did? Water turned to blood, right? A couple people know. Some of you read your Bible. Some of you don't. We're gonna have a quiz every week. They turned to water into blood. And what did the magicians do? Same thing, right? Now here's here's the thing. Do you ever read your Bible and talk to it? Like, I read that section, and here's what, here's what I go, what are you guys, stupid? Like, here's the thing. When you turn their good water into blood, what have you just done? You've taken away all the drinking water. And they go, watch, we can do that too. Why would you want to do that? I think the better miracle would have been to unblood it, right? I don't know, I don't know what the right terminology is, but, you know, I just made that up. You blood it, we'll unblood it. But listen, they... But they did, didn't they do miracle after miracle? And here's the thing, they kept doing the same thing. They kept kind of shooting themselves in the foot is what they were doing. But here's my point. They could do the same wonders that were done by God. So this one's going to come, and he's going to do things that are going to blow people's minds. Now, when I, I, I do this, I th- here's what I'm thinking. We need to be cautious because I believe, I believe God still does miracles today. I believe he works in a miraculous way. I don't think, listen, I'm not one who thinks that he quit. You know, people say, well, when the Bible came, he didn't need to do that anymore. Really? That's kind of, that's always odd to me when they say that, when they use that. It's like, here's what they're saying. It's like all of the people in the New Testament time period in the first century that had scrolls. What were those scrolls? Bible. They had the Old Testament. And oh, they had that but he still did miracles, but once this one came, he quit doing miracles. I don't believe that. I don't believe he quit doing miracles. I think he still does miracles. I think he still heals people. And, and listen, I don't think it's much different than then. If you read your Bible, it's not like people are getting healed all the time everywhere. It was very choice and precise healings that take place for a reason. God's not about putting on a show but I believe the Antichrist will be. And I believe when people see a show, they get excited. And there's the problem when you start following signs and wonders and start following your emotions, what does he say? You can be deceived. And you can fall into that with great deception for those who are perishing. And that's a scary thought when you think about it. Listen, they're gonna start following that. So I wanna be clear, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a person who believes that, that certain works of God ceased or certain of the gifts of the Spirit ceased. I believe everything that was valid in The, quote, New Testament time are valid today. I believe they're valid gifts that God uses and and God does. But here's what he's saying. He's going to come. These people are going to be uh, in that, and there's going to be this deception among those who perish. Listen, because they did not, in the middle of verse 10, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I think that's one of the most frightening places in the Bible. I think the end of verse 10, verse 11 is scary. Let's put it in a time frame, what's going on? Jesus is coming back, but before he comes back, this one takes over. I believe the church is out of the way. And those who are left will begin to believe the lie. There's are people who they did not love the truth. Here's what that tells me. And I used to be more dogmatic. I've kind of lightened up a little bit. When you get, when you get older, you kind of get grandpaish ish and you, you kind of lighten up a little bit. I used to be very dogmatic, but here's what scares me about this. I think what's implied here, if you've heard the truth and you've rejected the truth, he says they do not have a love of the truth, then you're gonna believe the lie. I've had people tell me, well, you know what, I know enough of the Bible, I've heard enough, and here's the thing, when the tribulation comes, then I'll get saved. This is kind of implying, well, look, it gets a little worse. He says, listen, he says, he says because they did not have the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they believe the lie. Does that like send chills down your spine? It's almost like God is saying this. If you know the truth now and you reject the truth now, you're not going to be able, you're not even going to be able to believe the truth then. Now, I'm not going to be real dogmatic about it, but I want to push it that way a little bit because I want us to think about this. Here's the whole thing about Jesus Christ. The whole thing about Jesus Christ is never an intellectual uh, uh, roadblock for people. It's not intellectual, it's volitional and moral. People do not accept the fact that Jesus Christ died for their sins because they're gonna have to give up self. And they're gonna to have to take self off of the throne and allow God to come and sit on the throne. And they don't wanna do that. Listen, it's not because they don't understand. It's not because their minds can't comprehend. It's because they choose to reject the truth and they choose to push it away and they choose to follow uh, their own self. And here's the scary thing. He says God will send a delusion upon them so that they believe, not a lie, the lie that's frightening if you're here today and you're not someone who loves the truth if you're just doing church because that's what you do you go to church you pay your dues you're doing your church thing and you're just kind of wrapped up and you're not loving the truth man i'm afraid for you because i know when the church gets raptured when the the church gets raptured there's going to be a lot of people sitting in churches. There's going to be some churches that nothing's going to change. And there's going to be a lot of people. I think there's going to be a lot of people left in this church because you're religious. And you're not, you don't have a love. I, I, it's intense. You don't have a love of the truth. And he says, be careful. Now, that scares me. And I, I, listen, some of you are going, are you just trying to scare us? Yeah, kind of. Why would God put that in a word? Oh, and then he says this, listen. He says that they should believe the lie, verse 12, that they might be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Oh. Why would God write this? Because he's a mean God? Because he's trying to hold something over our heads? That's what people say, he's trying to control you. Well, in a sense, that's true. I would rather be controlled by the Holy Spirit than by Satan, Right? So listen, I think there's some of that, but don't you think the heart of God is to warn us? To get us to do a little bit of inspection, to get us to think a little bit about what am I believing, what am I walking in, what direction am I going? Have I been someone who I've been so casual about my relationship with Jesus that I've kept it really on the casual side? Listen, I know, I know we're a casual church as far as dress and appearance and coming, right? I always feel sorry when somebody visits our church in a suit. I always want to go, I think you're in the wrong church. But they, I feel bad for them, and then they come the next time dressed normal. But just because we're casual in attire doesn't mean we're casual about our relationship. And we can't be, listen, we can't be casual about a relationship with the king of the universe. And that's what Paul is getting at. What was going on in Thessalonica? They were facing persecution. People were coming against them. It was intense. They're having a hard time putting it together. And listen, he doesn't say, oh, it's all right. It'll all get better. No, he's kind of saying it's gonna get worse and worse. But you gotta trust Jesus in the midst of it. You see, we have to be people who, no matter what's coming my way, my God is in control. I know that's not always fun. Listen, I'm just like you, I get bad news, and I don't like it when I get bad news, and I don't like it when, you know, certain things don't go the way I think they should. I don't like it when my world gets rocked, when I'm I'm thinking I'm going one direction, and all of a sudden, this thing blindsides me, and, and I get this information, but guess what? I know that my God is in control, And the most important thing I think we can know is God has a timetable and he's keeping it. And God wins in the end, he is going to do it, but you can't wait till it gets hard to decide to live for God. Number one, first and foremost, if you're not loving him when it's easy, what on earth makes you think you're gonna love him when it gets hard? If the church, or maybe I should say this way, when the church gets raptured and you're still here, get on your iPad, your phone, whatever, get in our archives and start listening and studying the book of Revelation because you're about to go through it. You're about to live through that and you need to, you know, I'm glad we can leave them for you. We're not gonna take our archives with us. but are you someone today that you're in love with the truth? I think it's important that we understand, listen, it's not about emotion, it's about truth. And Paul is telling this church, doesn't matter what's happening to you in one sense, I'm sure he has compassion, but what's important is truth. And when things come my way, listen, I can't control what happens to me. I can't control what comes at me emotionally. I can't control what comes at me physically. But I can control how I process those things. And I can process them through the lens of truth, biblical truth. And I think that's the only truth there really is. And I can use that. Or I can just freak out and melt down. That doesn't do any good. So Paul here is letting us know something. All of this is gonna take place And we need to be people, now we've been warned, now you know, and if you're lukewarm, if you're casual today, if you're not in love with the truth, man, today is the day of salvation. You're not here by mistake. God has chosen this time for you, and it's a perfect time for you, and you need to make a decision. So you need to understand that. For the rest of us, I think we gotta, I think we gotta be people, I want everybody to go to heaven. I'm one of those guys. I know legalists want to keep heaven kind of private, and that's okay. They can think whatever they want. I don't care. I want everybody to go to heaven. Like, I want every single person in here to go to heaven. That's my goal. And so God warns us, not because he's mean, not because he's trying to control us, but because he loves us. I think Thursday, Pastor Robert, didn't he bring up the whole thing of why does God tell us something sin? He doesn't tell us that to take fun away from us. Why does he tell us that? Because it's bad for us. It's eventually gonna cause destruction. Listen, I know sin can be enticing, duh. The Bible says it's pleasurable for a season, but then comes payday. So I get that, but why does God do these things? Not because he's mean, not because he's you know, capricious, not because he's a God who's trying to push us down, because he loves us, and he knows here's what we need And here's the direction to go. And if you choose that, it is going to destroy you. And you need to understand it. That's the God of the Bible. And so today, here's what he's saying. Let's be people who we trust him. And let's believe him. And let's warn the world. Let's warn those out there of what's going on. I believe most people sitting here today, I believe most of you are born again. I I'm just I'm that guy. But if you're not, you can change that right now. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we, uh, we do thank you again, God, for your word. And Lord, it can, be, it can be a part that's like just, wow, that is a little bit intense. And Lord, I try to imagine what it was like for that church to unroll the scroll and begin to read it as they're going through what they're going through. and God, how it had to impact their lives. And I know your desire of your heart is to impact our lives so that we can be men and women who we can shine brightly for our Jesus. That we can influence our world. We may think the world is difficult and hard, Tough to live through. Which all of that can be true, but the only thing that's going to change our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to be lovers of the truth to be enabled to share the truth with the world. So use us, God. Make us those fine-tuned instruments. We had people playing up here uh, this morning on this platform and they were using instruments that were tuned. And we wanna be that same way. We wanna be tuned instruments in your hand being used for our generation. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And If you are here today and you've never made that commitment, if you're here today and you've just kinda toyed with the idea of being a Christian, you've toyed with the idea of, of, of loving the truth, Man, today is the day of salvation. Right now, you may need to make that decision. And here's what my Bible says, that you need to be someone who you come and you're honest with God. And that's a hard part because if you're honest with God, you're gonna put yourself, you're gonna make yourself vulnerable and you're gonna put yourself in a position where you're gonna allow him to take control. And for some of us, that just like is, like freaking us out right now, even if you're one of those people, your hands are sweating right now. Your palms are sweating. You don't like that idea, but you got to come to that. And the very first step you need to do is admit to God you're a sinner. Shouldn't be hard. I think all of us know deep down inside we're sinners. And if you don't know that, I'll just be frank you are a sinner. The Bible says everyone has sinned. So you've committed that sin. Second thing is you need to be sorry for your sin you need to understand you've offended a holy God. And by offending the holy God, my Bible says the wages of sin is death. So that's what you've earned. All of that's scary, all of that's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, not just physically, but spiritually. He took the condemnation that you deserved, the wrath that you deserved upon himself, and he paid the price for you. And now today he holds out for you this receipt that says your debt is paid in full. All you gotta do is take it. Take that and you'll be set free from the bondage of sin. And you begin begin loving the truth and a relationship with him. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna say a prayer. You can say this prayer with me out loud or you can say it silently. The important thing is your heart. You have to be sincere. Hey, if you're backslidden today, come home. Come back to Jesus. I like to say it this way. You need to front slide. If you backslid, front slide and come back. His arms are open wide. If you're watching online, hey, you can say the prayer right where you're at. You don't have to be in this building. You can just say this prayer with us. Jesus, today I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.